0: Welcome to Indigenising Curriculum in Practice with Professor Tracy Bunda and Dr Caitlin Barney.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Tracy Bunda and welcome to our podcast series Indigenising Curriculum in Practice. I'm a Noogie Waka Waka woman and the Professor of Indigenous Education at the University of Queensland. I'd like to start the podcast by acknowledging country, and the various countries from where our listeners are located, and pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. I acknowledge the ongoing contributions of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples to society at local, national and international levels. I'm joined by my colleague and co-host,
2: Dr Caitlin Barning. Hi everyone, I'd also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land where we're recording and also where you're listening from and pay my respects to their ancestors and their descendants who continue to have strong connections to country. I also want to acknowledge that where we are recording has always been a place of teaching and learning. I'm a non-Indigenous woman living and working in Mianjin. In this series, Tracy and I interview Indigenous and non-Indigenous academics about how they're indigenising curriculum within the faculties at the University of Queensland.
1: Together, we are going to ask questions to unravel the why, the how, and the when of indigenising curriculum.
2: Our theme for this episode is based on the principle of country, and our guests today are Carol Gosam and Dr Kelly Greenop from the School of Architecture, Design and Planning at the University of Queensland. Welcome.
1: Great to have you here. Can you introduce yourself in whatever way is comfortable for you? My name's Carol Gosam, uh, as
0: has been introduced, and I, my country is in North Queensland. I'm a person, Gumbelbada country, and also includes rainforest, which is bummer.
3: Hi, I'm Kelly Greenoff, and I'm a non-Indigenous academic here at the University of Queensland. I live uh, in Brisbane, Mianjin, and I grew up on Bundjalung country
1: in Lismore. I know you two as a really great working team. Why do you think that's so?
0: I've got so many lovely things to say about Kelly. Actually, she's amazing to work with. She's a really easy person to communicate with. She's a great collaborator. We actually... Um, really value each other's contribution in a project and we both get on with what's needed to be done Mm -hmm. and don't sort of bring our egos to what we do.
3: Thanks Carol, that's lovely (laughs) to hear you speak like that. I think one of the secrets of us working together is that we've known each other a long time and so we really respect each other's strengths But also we do take the time to learn about each other outside work. So if there's something happening with family or other things like that, we tend to know. And that really helps us to give each other the space we need or help each other a little more if that's needed and understand each other as people, which I think is really important when you're working together.
1: Just on that point, Kelly, have you got suggestions for other non-Indigenous people who can respectfully work with Aboriginal people?
3: I guess only from my perspective, I'm sure there's a lot of ways of doing this. But for me, I just try and get to know people as people and treat them as I would want to be treated. It sounds a little too simple, but really it is getting to know that person, uh, understanding them and trying to work a bit beyond that surface nature of what their job might be or what they might be to you in that moment, try and understand them a bit more fully and that helps everyone to learn about each other and get on a bit better.
2: Thanks, Carol and Kelly. It's really nice to hear about how you're working together. And we also know you've worked together developing the campuses on country, the Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander design framework at UQ and that framework explores the principles for how UQ buildings and landscapes can better incorporate indigenous cultures now and in the future. So we're wondering about the links of that work to indigenising curriculum and particularly around student learning.
0: For architecture, because it is a a design principles based document as well as uh, engagement, it teaches students first of all how good engagement can happen. Uh, even though they can't necessarily practice it in the context of a studio at university, but they can sort of engage with it in research if they do a a thesis uh, and it is around subject matter that is Indigenous-themed or um, centred. So I guess that's one way. It also teaches students about, first of all, starting with understanding country that all all sites, particularly if they're Australian based, are located on country. But not just having this romantic notion about country, because I think it's very easy for people to have this sort of idea and get carried away with Indigenous spirituality and and relationships in a very romantic or sustainable way, but also to really see people uh, living on country and the way that people do that in a very contemporary sense as well.
3: That's so beautiful to hear you speak like that, Carol. I love it. I'm so grateful to work with you. Learning about country is an ongoing process for me as a non-Indigenous person. So I suppose I try and explain that to students and help them understand that they need to start that process and in the particular project they might be working on, they will try and understand it and we'll model some ways of them understanding that, like talking about weather and plants and animals and history but also explain to them that not everything is theirs to know and that they need to understand that there's layers of knowledge and they won't always have access to that and that's really challenging for them and they find that pretty hard and of course I found that hard at first too but I think that's part of the deeper learning that we're trying to explain to them as we're going along.
1: I'm really interested in that notion that students struggle with the idea of country. Can you talk about that a little bit more? Like, what are they finding difficult to be able to understand?
0: I think the best way to maybe illustrate that is the studio that Kelly and I have taught just quite recently, because we've got different responses from students. Students have, as I mentioned before, romantic notions of country. It's often really new to students that when they go to a site-specific place that there are multiple language groups that are operating in that space and place because of colonisation, because of history, and that those groups now particularly have come together. Some of them work together really well, some of them don't, but people have also been generously introduced to that place by the traditional owners, either through marriage and, and v- kinship, you know, extending their kinship connections. And that's changed the dynamic of, of that place and relationships. So people, um, so that's one way. Com- country is a complex thing, you know, people are, there are different custodians, there are different levels of knowledge because, according to age group. And so sometimes students really assume that everyone has the same knowledge, everybody knows this, everybody speaks language or doesn't speak language or um, has the same relationship and they realise how complex it is to insert a piece of architecture in that space and place because not everybody has the same relationship to each other nor the same responsibility to country and so it becomes a a complex dynamic of students really trying to understand that in in the context of a studio Uh, particularly because one example was it was a remote location and we couldn't take our students there, that community could not support 80 students going to their country. Uh, I know the community would have loved that, but they just don't have the facilities there. But it's a beautiful sort of way of students really understanding that complex relationship through a simple project like an art art, uh, building.
3: I suppose for architecture students who we're working with, they have a sense of sight all the time. So there's this Western knowledge about what a site is and it's really easy for students to assume that that's what country is as well. So they go there and they measure the site and they take photos and they understand it in this very objective way and they think okay well I'm understanding country now and it's quite a lot of work to help them understand that there's other ways of experiencing and knowing country and of course understanding what the trees are and which animals visit the site is important but it
1: doesn't end there. I think one of the things that's really important that you've both done is just explain that complexity. We've been using the term country to denote those lands that are connected to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and which there's an inherent sense of belonging um, evidence by genealogical connection but you've explained greater complexity so thank you very much for that.
2: Kelly you mentioned about being a non-Indigenous person working with and in, in this space and we know that um, there's a bit of literature about the need for non-Indigenous people to be active allies and a willingness to be vulnerable and open to Indigenising curriculum. Do you have advice for non-Indigenous staff about how they can contribute to Indigenising curriculum?
3: Yes. Uh, I think the first thing is just commit to starting it. Commit to doing it. Know that you won't be perfect at it and that you might even make some mistakes and you might even upset some people with your errors. But that's not a reason to remain inactive. You need to um, keep going and keep learning as much as you can. Speak with other people. Form groups of non-Indigenous people who can support you through asking those possibly silly maybe offensive questions so that there's a a place you can do that Um, but don't think oh this is too hard so I'm not going to do it and once you start if you even if you do stumble keep going because it's a really important journey for us all and so we need to we need to be active participants in it. Carol, would you like to add something as well?
0: The thing that I find with most people is fear. So they become frozen and, and then passive. So they're wanting myself or people like Kelly to provide them with the information that they need. You need to take an active journey, learning journey yourself, and use the skills that you have as an academic. We can all read. We can all research. We can find information. We can evaluate that information as to its sort of credibility if we have questions about the credibility of some information you know we can ask questions but also there are lots of publications by Indigenous writers that give us insight into the complexity and diversity of Indigenous life and experience as well as learning and different ways of learning.
1: You wouldn't think that there's a natural alignment between indigenisation of the curriculum and a discipline such as architecture. And you talked about, Kelly, you talked about, irregardless, just make the commitment and keep going and, you know, arm yourself and research yourself. I think many uh, non-Indigenous academics in the university would be feeling exactly the same way. What do you think has been the most effective for you too, in terms of being able to advance that indigenising curriculum within architecture. I was
0: given a subject actually that Kelly and other non-indigenous academics had actually taught, and they all did amazing jobs and they also inserted a lot of their own research and experience um, into that subject, and they really set a great foundation. And model but also it was an opportunity for me to bring my lived experience and my knowledge uh, to that subject and my particular take on things you know there were particular buildings and processes in architecture that were either unfavorably looked at by the profession or favorably looked at by the profession and I just critique them from an indigenous lens and point of view, and I also, um, so the the subject gave me opportunity to do that. No one was checking to see what I was teaching, but I had great positive feedback from students, and I also had great advice from students how to improve my own teaching. So I, w- you know, I had to be vulnerable. I mean, in no, you know, first of all. Um, the skill sets that I had, learning from colleagues, but also the knowing that having confidence in the content that I was bringing, that it was going to really inform students from an Indigenous lens perspective.
2: The podcast is called Indigenizing Curriculum in Practice. Is there anything additional you'd like to add about working in your space?
3: Caitlin, I think one of the things that makes it most challenging for us is that we're trying to connect students with country, which isn't always right here in Brisbane. And so it would be really fantastic if there was more resources and funding so that we could either take students out onto country where communities have particular needs, and we know that's a great thing that architecture students need to learn. But it's also um, an opportunity to bring people to Brisbane, to traditional owners from other parts of the state or country, coming to visit students in the studio and also them seeing how the university works is a really great way that um, collaboration can happen. So if there was more resources for that, that'd be fantastic.
0: Indigenising, as Kelly mentioned, is an opportunity for collaboration, not cultural load, but to inspire students to become agents of change. And we don't want students to feel like uh, we're being prescriptive. and, in, and to turn them into gatekeepers or people with knowledge into gatekeepers. We want them to be active and to be active listeners and take some of their cues from the community and from, from the community voices that they're encountering, either in, in oral form, so we hear on, on radio or in written form. There's multiple ways which Indigenous practice and culture can inspire architecture and buildings.
1: I think that's a great way to be able to end, particularly um, if I remind listeners about this year in Australia, uh, where we do have to think a little bit more deeply about that relationship with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Can I thank you both very much for your contributions to our podcast, Indigenising Curriculum in Practice.